All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Go With The Flow. Very, very excited for this one. Actually, I'm excited for them all, but I'm also especially excited for this one. Um, my guest today is my friend, Rachel. Welcome to the show, Rachel. Glad to be here. <laughs> <laughs> the way that uh, I start every single episode, I ask my guests to introduce themselves, tell me where they're from, stuff they're, that they're involved in on campus, and then just any other general intro that they would want the people to know. Yeah, I know. I'm Rachel. I'm from South Florida. Um, on campus, I'm on Club Lacrosse, Finance Club, Economics major, um, and I'm a, I'm a retired officer now of TI, which is exciting. And so just kind of enjoying that second semester senior spring. And TCM also, aren't you in TCM? Yes. Okay. TCM. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, and so one quick thing that I wanted to ask you about, you are, like you said, just a recently retired officer at TI. How would you describe that experience? And is it something that you're glad you, that you glad something that you're glad that you did? Super glad. I think that, I mean, like sophomore year, like we were on campus and we just joined eating clubs. And then a month later we were booted off and I didn't really get that experience that I was hoping to get. Um, and then the same thing for junior year, like I didn't really feel completely tied um, to the Princeton community, to the TI community. And I was like, I really want to make an impact when we get back on campus. And so like, how could I do that? Um, and for me, I was like, well, being an officer would be a really cool opportunity. I think all like my financial side, like skill set kind of led me to the position of treasurer. Um, I felt that like we could be doing things like more efficiently with money, um, establishing like a financial aid program and um just like seeing different ways that i could like impact the club and make it like a really great experience for my class and like hopefully the incoming classes as well so um i'm really happy that i did it and you know i i really like how it played out yeah and now that you've handed stuff off to the officer corps how do you feel about about the future of the club <laughs> <laughs> i love our new officer corps i think they're going to do an amazing job um I think one of the things, too, that has just been so amazing about the experience is, like, the friends you get along the way, um, living with, like, five other people that, like, you didn't really know at the beginning of the year that you now get to bond with and, you know, kind of take a leadership role with has, like, taught me a lot about working with others. And now that I don't have all the responsibilities <laughs> and still get the fun part of living there, I mean, I'm getting the best of both worlds. For sure. And also, just well, that's the one thing about being an officer—you get to actually live in the club. How did you? Uh, how do you feel about the fact that there are always people in the space that you call home? Because that is the one thing that I don't know <laughs> if I'll be able to handle that well. Because one reason I love having a single is I get back to my room and there's nobody there. But when you're an officer of the club, as you said, you live there, and it's a space that's always open to members twenty-four-seven. How did? How was that part of the experience? Knowing that there was always other people welcome in your space. Yeah, so I think, like, mixed reviews. For me, I kind of love it. I think having grown up with, like, two younger siblings and constantly being around people and wanting to spend time with people, like, when I first applied to Princeton, I was like, give me as many roommates as possible. Like, I would love to have, like, so many roommates. And then freshman year, I got a single. And I was like, what kind of system is this, like, housing for? And when I asked for, like, eight roommates and I got zero, yeah. I'm like, maybe I'm, like, that difficult to live with. Um no, I love it because, like, at any moment, like, during the day, I, like, walk in and I can either hang out with people in the pool room or go study in the library. There's, like, people constantly doing things around. Um, and then I have, like, that space, like, our common room or my individual room, like, if I want to, like, retreat and, like, maybe, like, take some time to go take a nap or do, like, something super intensive, like, study-wise, like, alone. Um, but I realize that if I actually want to get work done, I have to leave the yeah. because I'm too like social walking around wondering what everyone's up to and wanting to like participate. That's exactly how it is with me for me and Ivy. I've had probably zero productive days there because there's just the distractions are too easy. It's too your, easy. Your friends are always there. There's the pool room. There's the TV room. There's just always so much going on. There's always food. There's always people. So yes, I can never actually be productive there. But then also one thing you mentioned about the um rooming forms for when we were coming in i'm convinced that they just look at those and just completely disregard them because i also believe i asked for like i wanted one other roommate and then i was in a quad i every basically everything that i asked for was not really met so i'm i'm 
I'm, I'm, what's, why am I forgetting the word? I'm con- convinced. Convinced, yeah, what? Convinced, oh, yeah. yeah, simple, see, sometimes simple words just escape me. I'm convinced no, that those forms just get read and then they just don't even get acknowledged and they just disregard them to the side. I had like put on the form because I was like, okay, I'm from Florida. The one place I don't want to be is Forbes, yeah. which I wasn't. And so I like literally put down on the form, I was like, I can't walk in the cold um, more than 10 minutes because I've never lived in the snow before and I don't think that I could do that. And so I'm like, okay, maybe they'll, you know, read that and consider that. At yeah, least. yeah, yeah. And were you in Forbes? No, I'm oh, Maddie. Okay, there you go. At least, they, at least they, uh, they, they, they paid attention to that request. But okay, um, just yesterday, and I will say we are recording on Saturday, March 19th, we found out who our class day speaker was and it is Dr. Anthony Fauci. How do you feel about that selection? I'm like pretty neutral. I don't know. I mean, definitely like I think Princeton wanted to be super like public about their announcement. I honestly think he might be speaking at like other universities for their like commencement um, addresses as well. So he might be like a popular pick this year just based on like headlines and news. And I I think more so it was just like Princeton wanting to pick something super relevant to the year and like impactful to like maybe like how we felt um, and maybe tying it back to the class of 2022. Um, but I don't know. I'm more excited about like reunions and yeah. <laughs> other events, like the graduation festivities as a whole than I am more about like the speakers and like singing on the stairs or any of that. Yeah, stuff. the art singing. All- Did you go to reunions freshman year? No, I didn't. So you've never been to reunions? I've never been to reunions. Which is, that is another one of those very weird things that you don't really, because I worked at freshman year and very, very thankful that I did because it was such a fun time. And when, when we were freshmen, the reason a lot of people didn't do it was obviously we didn't see a pandemic coming and we didn't know that we, would, we wouldn't have the opportunity to have yeah. it the next two years. But the fact that we haven't had reunions since freshman year, this will probably go down as like probably the craziest and most fun reunions ever. So I'm very much so also looking forward to reunions. Yeah, no, I was always like so jealous of like people that would talk. I think like a lot of people that like have parents that went to Princeton like yeah. talk about growing up going to reunions. And I'm like, darn, I never really got to do any of <laughs> yeah. that. And, like I still haven't been. And like any alumni that talks to me about it, it's like, oh, the reunions. And I'm like, I literally I can't, can't relate, relate to yep. it at all. And I'm like a senior. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then also just real quick on on the class day speaker, also pretty neutral about it. For me, our remember when sophomore year again pre-code i remember when they announced that it was marshawn lynch um who was going to be the class day speaker who's a former nfl running back and for me that was just so out of the bounds of what i would what i would have expected for princeton from princeton and i'm such a huge sports fan and such a huge marshawn lynch fan that i love that pick and from when i saw that it was uh, dr fauci i was like okay great but that's so in line with what you would, what with what you would expect from somewhere like Princeton. And over the last year and a half, we have literally all heard from him so much. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so much. And so do I really want to sit there again and hear from him, although he's like however many feet from me? Maybe not necessarily. And so I guess I was just hopeful that it would be someone more out of the bounds of what Princeton would usually do. So that was the slight disappointment. But again, Shout out to the Class Day Committee. Great work. Because I'm on a commencement committee as well, so I know it's a lot of work. Yeah, you do, I, like the class jackets. Right? Yes, class jackets. Yeah, yes. I'm excited for those. Have you have you seen the final design, I think yeah. they announced it? Yeah, yeah we it did. It looks great. Yeah, we did. And we've seen the actual thing in person. It it does oh, yeah, look it does it does look very good. Yeah. So again, shout out to Class Day Committee. Shout out to all the different committees because it's not easy work, but I don't want to make it sound like I'm being a hater. But Marshawn Lynch would have been would have been phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. Um, but okay, so one of the major things that I want to talk to you about um is you were on Shark Tank. And before we get to that, I just want to say I, I, I like to do my research for, the, for, for these shows. So I Googled you, YouTube, you looked up all this information. And when in one of your interviews, you talked about how you did something or you joined this cl- club or this group that was called the Young Entrepreneurs Ac- Academy. Um, so could you just explain what that is a little bit? Yeah. So we actually <coughs> called it. Yeah, because that's like how the acronym is kind of pans out. But it's a after school program and they do it for like middle school to high school students. And so I did it as a seventh grader. Um, and it basically taught you how to start and manage a business. I think that my dad, so my dad was an entrepreneur. Um, he like went to law school and then after being a lawyer for a bit, like decided to go down the entrepreneurial path, realized he didn't want to do that. Um, and so I always grew up with like 
not really exactly knowing like what my parents did for a living because everyone was like oh my parents like a doctor my parents like a teacher but I was like he starts a company I don't really know exactly what it does but um I didn't really like know what to tell people but I did used to go into the office with him on the weekends like because he would also work the weekends um and I would sit there and like organize files for him and he'd give me like five bucks to do that and I would listen to him, like, take phone calls and have meetings. And, like, every day that he was doing something, he was doing something different, new. And I could just hear the passion that he had um, while he was talking about these things. And I was like, wow, I think I would really like to do something like this when I'm older. Um, and then one day, like, he came home from work with, like, a flyer for this program. And he was like, you know, like, all the time you spend at the office, like, you might as well go and actually learn something outside of school. Um, and if you like it, like, this could be something that you could pursue when you're older. Um, so sure enough, I went and I applied and I got into the program. Um, and throughout the entire program, they had speakers come in, like local business leaders, teaching you how to create a business plan, how to start a business, you know, the marketing, the sales, like designing and creating logos and websites. And that's where I actually came up with the idea for Gladiator Lacrosse and launched it um, about a year after that program. That was the follow-up question that I was going to ask because that is the company that you have, CEO and founder, Gladiator Gladiator Lacrosse. And so, what was it that? What was the need that you felt that you needed to fill when you were um, ha- coming up with the idea for the company? Yeah. So something that I always say is like it isn't a coincidence that the business I started surrounded lacrosse. Yeah. I had been playing lacrosse since fourth grade. My parents had, like put me in every single sport, um, and I just wasn't feeling anything until I finally picked up a lacrosse stick, which was relatively new to Florida at the time. There weren't that many leagues. Um, It was very big in the Northeast, but not down here. Um, And I liked that the sport not only involved like physical ability, but also like a lot of like lax IQ, as we call it, where you're like strategically thinking about plays and how you can set up you and your teammates to like create um, opportunities to score. Um, And so that got me really excited about the sport. Um, And as I practiced and played and tried to get better, I was constantly like demolishing the equipment that I was buying and as a seventh grader, he didn't have hundreds of dollars to spend on this, like begging my parents for new equipment yeah. <laughs> wasn't always successful. And I was like, gosh, there's got to be a better way. And it's like almost cheesy saying this, but the same week in that um, Young Entrepreneurs Academy, we had this speaker come in talking about how problems generate opportunities. And so for me, this was like my aha moment where I'm like, okay, I'm like clearly facing this problem. My teammates are facing this problem. Like the coaches I work with also face this problem. Like they can't get the funding to buy new equipment. Like why isn't it like lasting longer and why does it cost so much? Um, and so that's kind of the problem that I decided to attack. And so it was focusing on lacrosse pra- practice equipment. Um, and we started with, you know, the two most essential products you need to better yourself as a lacrosse player and really elevate your game. And that was a lacrosse rebounder and a lacrosse goal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like what does the individual player need to get better? Cause you can't always like spend time practicing with other people. Yeah. And for one quick thing that you just said, I like the fact, I, I love the fact that um, you had the speaker come in and speak to this thing about and speak to the fact that timing or <clears throat> the timing was such that this person was speaking to what exactly it is that you wanted to address at that moment because you found that there was this issue that you wanted to address. But then I hear the fact that you see this area that you want to solve and you're like, okay, maybe I could create a product, start a company to even fulfill this need. But when I hear that, that just sounds like such a grand task. And I'm sure anyone who hears this, they're like, okay, you know there was a problem and you want to start a company, but how exactly do you even do that? So what even are the very first steps to actually creating, founding a company? Yeah, I mean, like there was a reason that I said like, okay, I had this idea and then it wasn't until like a year later that the business was even considered launched. And then Mm -hmm. months after that, we got our first sale. So the lag time on this is like tremendous yeah. from like idea stage to actual like inception of the company and then, you know, your first actual sale. Um, it's like as standard as it is, it's like creating a business plan, which is like literally outlining the individual steps. So like the first thing I thought about is like, OK, what do we want to sell? Um, and so it was thinking about the products. It was thinking, how do we make these? And so that was manufacturing. So we actually manufacture our own products. We don't buy them um, from a wholesaler or a distributor, we actually manufacture them ourselves and work directly with the factory. Um, that's how we're able to pass on savings directly to a customer by being the manufacturer and skipping all of the middlemen and the steps. Um, some of those savings then went into like generating higher quality products too. Um, so there's a lot of back and forth. Um, once I was able to use connections I gained during the program to like find factories, one of my mentors had worked in the soccer industry and I was like soccer similar to lacrosse, like 
you know anyone that can like produce soccer nets? And he's like, yeah, I got this guy. And so reaching out, maybe not getting that one connection, but like the business community, I think is super receptive to new entrants in the entrepreneurial space, especially like younger people. Like I think everyone really like embodies like the idea of coaching and like apprenticeship and they're like wanting to pay it forward. And so I think that, I mean, like I've continued to do that as like I've grown my business and like I love helping other people like create those initial steps in the same way that I got all of that feedback and all of that help when I started. Um, and so like, I think people forget that like you can ask questions and yeah. people will be happy to help you out. Like people are happy to do favors and happy to like improve you. Like they're bringing you up with them. Um, then it was designing a website, which if you looked at the initial drawings I had for my website were atrocious. <laughs> I'm not an artist. Um, but we had students from like the local college where we were hosting our program design our first logos um, and design like the initial web pages. And so it was literally creating like a web page on like big commerce, like anything, anyone can open a big commerce account um, and then getting like WordPress for the front end of the site. And then just sitting there and I would just, every day after school I would like create pages and I would model it off of like other businesses. Yeah. I would Google other lacrosse companies. I would Google like other sports companies and be like, oh, I like the wording they use here. Like, let me find something that's applicable for me that I could do here. Um, and like, oh, I like the way that they lay out the page for their products. Like this makes it super receptive. Like, let me do that. And we've modified the site tons since then and like the logo as well um, and things like of that sort. But like for like a very like bare bones, like minimum, like it was just like a lot of, Wearing a lot of hats, yeah. I think. Yeah, and honestly, it, that might have seemed like a simple question, but I love that answer because I think it's important for people to realize how, not simple, because obviously it's not simple, but it is, a, it is a simplified plan of like laying out what you need to do, and then all that work, you keep building on different things, you keep improving little by little, and then you're able to eventually grow to where you are right now. But yeah, it all starts with laying out a foundation. And honestly, it sounds very similar to to the process that I had in even starting this podcast because I was also wearing many hats at the start. The way that I wanted to design the logo, I was literally just like scrolling through Spotify, looking at other podcast logos like, okay, what do I want my logo to look like? How am I going to promote this? How am I going to brand this? How am I going to do all these different things? And then eventually you start going the team a little bit and then hope mm -hmm. you, you just keep seeing where things might eventually go. But one quick thing that you touched on, which again is something that I don't think anyone has a very i don't think people appreciate enough right now is the power of a network and you talked about how it was connections you had through this program that you did the other uh, young entrepreneurs academy and how you reached out to certain people and they were they were able to help you out when it comes to 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 the network and even like one thing we always hear is like the princeton network it was something that i never truly appreciated until i started trying to find a job and find an internship and exactly like you said, there are so many people out there who just want to help you. They're not looking Absolutely. for anything else out of you. They just want to see you do great things, whether it's because you went to the same school, you're part of a certain program. They just want to help you out so much. So could you just speak a little more to the power of a network, whether it's through school, through whatever, just what, whatever avenue it is, just the power that having a network has? Because I actually believe that networking and knowing people might be the single greatest contributing factor to helping you succeed in whatever it is that you want to do. I completely agree. I think like <clears throat> growing up, like I think my parents were like the one thing that I like regret not doing is like expanding my network and like being open to meeting new people. Cause I think like a lot of people are like single minded and they're like, Oh, if you can't help me right now, yeah. then, like you're not worth my time. Yeah. Um, but I'm constantly meeting people in the business community that I'm like, Oh, like you do this thing. But like, not super applicable to me. Like one of my early mentors in life, like she owns a vitamin company. And I was like, how is this ever going to be applicable to me? But like, she gave me a lot of great advice on manufacturing and distributing that like, yeah, manufacturing and distributing something completely different in a completely different industry, but the same basic business fundamentals still apply. Um, and then sometimes I like just meet people who I can connect with other people I've met. I'm like, Hey, you two seem very similar. I don't know if this is going to go anywhere, but I just thought I would connect you. And people do that to me all the time. Yeah. I get like random emails and it's like, hey, like was at this event, met this guy, works in this one space with lacrosse, you two connect. And sometimes those turn into some of our biggest opportunities. I think like, I mean, I'll definitely get into it when we talk about Shark Tank, but like that's how I was able to secure a deal with Dick Sporting Goods. 
it was someone reaching out after the show being like, hey, I know you talked about retailing and you didn't get a deal. So like that goal was never met. But like, I know someone who works there and like, you should reach out to this contact and get like that without the help of the sharks. And like, that was like a phenomenal way to network. And I think that, you know, I'm always constantly open to like meeting people, building those relationships, seeing what I can do for people just as much as seeing like what they could do for me. Cause I yeah. think it's equally as important both ways. Exactly. And even, yeah. And we'll get into shark tank in a little bit, but yeah, just last thing on this train of thought, I love what you said again about we, you need to think more long-term in the relationships that you're building, even if you can't do something for me tomorrow. And not even saying that you should go into every relationship looking at how you can extract things out of people. I don't think that's what you should do. But at the same time, it's like, even if someone can't help you with something tomorrow, maybe it's a year from now, maybe it's five years from now, and then all of a sudden, you're able to build on this connection that you formed so long ago, where when that connection happened, you didn't think that anything would come of it. And then also when it comes to little things like paying it forward, because for me, the one thing that always comes to mind was securing the internship last summer and how the certain alumni were so fundamental in helping me do that people who had never met me and they did so much for me and that again speaks to the network and now i'm at a point where just decided to become a campus ambassador and that was just because i wanted to pay it forward the amount of kids who have reached out to me like oh you want to help me prep help me do this help me do this i'm like i am more than happy to because all these people did so much for me when they didn't have to so i'm always going to be more than happy to try to help you secure whatever it is that you're trying to do but okay now Shark Tank. <laughs> now, finally, Shark Tank. And so, um, I like I said, I just watched the video the other day. And you were how old when you got in front of the judges? I, or the, the sharks? I pitched on my 15th birthday. 50, yes, that was it. 15th birthday. How <laughs> what, was that? Was that exactly how you wanted to spend your birthday? <laughs> yeah, when they gave me the date, they're like, okay, you're going to be pitching on this date. I was like, oh, okay, that's my birthday. <laughs> they actually did sing happy birthday to me on the show. Oh, wow. they like recorded it for like about, I was like in there for about an hour. Wow. And then what actually gets aired is like only like seven to ten minutes of footage. So it's like a whole part where they sing happy birthday. Oh, that would have been a cool thing for them to air. I feel like they missed an opportunity. Yeah. Okay. Well, you missed out on something that I thought was pretty great. I guess like didn't really pan out that way. Like the vision you had. Yeah. Um. But okay. So even before you actually get in front of the sharks, what is that process like to eventually then get that invitation? Like we want you to step in front of them and then give your pitch. Yeah. So I had a unique entrance into that. I never had thought that this is a path that I would want to pursue. Um, I'd watched Shark Tank growing up. Like I watched the very first episode where some guy pitched a pie company. Um, <laughs> and me and my family would watch it every single week when it was on the TV. And I was like, wow, it'd be cool to do that someday. But I never actually pursued it until one day when an executive producer of the show reached out and emailed me. It was like, I had read these articles about you. I think you would be a phenomenal addition to the show. And like, we think you should come and pitch. Oh, wow. um, and so the whole process then was like filming like an audition tape. Um, filling out a whole application that was super lengthy because I was a minor at the time. And so like with screen time and all that stuff, it's like all this parent approval and signature process. And then eventually like getting through all of that, I was actually flown out to California to then go and pitch on the show still under like, um, you know, them saying like, just because you film doesn't mean you're actually going to be aired. Yeah. Because they film tons of people that don't actually end up airing on Interesting. the show. Interesting. Wow. I never even thought about that. That makes sense. Yeah. So I went, filmed, um, and then throughout this entire process, you're not allowed to tell anyone at all. <laughs> Do you like it. have to sign like... Yeah, you an, sign like yeah. a ton of like um, disclosures saying that you won't say anything. And so like people like... I had to like leave a lacrosse tournament because um, I was like on the lacrosse grind that summer. I had to leave early. My coach is like, why are you missing this tournament? I'm <laughs> like... like Going Family. to California <laughs> yeah. with the fam, like, yeah. <laughs> good trip, it's going to be great. Um, and then she was like, this is, like, terrible, like, I can't believe you're, like, missing this, like, you're letting down your team, and I was like, oh, gosh, like. Just give it a little bit of time, so yeah. Guilty. Like, but a year from now, you're going to feel really upset that you said that. Yeah. Um, and then the show ends up airing about a year after I filmed it. Wow. Um, so I didn't say anything for a year, and they wouldn't tell you when it was going to air, um, but the problem is they put me in the trailer. And so one day, like in my economics class in high school, like we watch episodes of Shark Tank. Yeah. So we like watch the new <laughs> season. And all of a sudden in class, like this is the first time I'm watching it. Like they're going through like different people in the trailer. And suddenly I pop up on the screen <laughs> and everyone in the class just looks at me and turns around and is like, is that you? Because I'm wearing my lacrosse uniform. Yeah. And they're like, that's you. And yeah. I was like, I literally had to leave the room. I had to like call my mom. I'm like, what am I supposed to say? Yeah, like, am I allowed I to tell people that I can like be on the show like and so we had to like call the producers and they were like yeah you can tell people but you can't tell them what happened and i was like oh my gosh 
So then for like a whole another like school year, um, I was like telling people I was on the show, but I didn't know when I was going to air. Um, and then eventually like they gave me an air date and then I was allowed to like tell people, okay, like watch this episode. And, yeah. Like you'll see me pitch. That is hilarious that they wouldn't even let you know ahead of time that you were going to be in the trailer. Cause then that just puts you in the awkward spot where it's like, can I speak on this? Can I not speak on this? Um, but okay. So talk to me about the actual pitch. How nervous for you, were you going into, going into the, going to step it in front of the, the five sharks? Oh, I was so nervous. <laughs> when I like walked in there, like you like see three sides of the room and you don't ever see the fourth side because the fourth side is all cameras. Oh, like, like wait, on which, like behind the, wait. Like to your, like, I think it's to my left because you see like the pitch side here and you got the sharks in oh, front of you. Oh, yeah. And then the room you walk into. Cameras, like, filling, and, like, uh. Even when you're walking through the doors, like there's some guy like holding the camera, like walking in front of you. And I'm like, do I look at you? Do I not look at you? And I remember, like, the producers telling me, like, before I walked in, they're like, have, like, a slight bend in your knees so that you have, like, circulation flowing and you don't, like, collapse. Yeah. And I'm like, are these, like, things that have happened to people in the past? <laughs> like, is this, like, supposed to, like, calm me down? Um, but they also, like, give you about, like, 20-ish minutes before you actually go and pitch, like, a chance to go look at your setup and see mm -hmm. your set. I was, like, really nervous because, like, part of my pitch was a demo. And I'm like, if I drop the ball in this demo, I'm I was walk gonna around the room. ask you about that. I was gonna <laughs> ask because yes, because the video is on YouTube. Because you like you demonstrate the rebounder, so you throw the ball at and you catch it. I was but I was gonna be like, did you think there was a chance that you either one wouldn't catch it with the rebounder, or because you also shot a ball into the goal that you would just missed the goal, which would have just been like disastrous. <laughs> I was like, anything I do wrong here will totally make airtime, and I was like, I cannot give them a reason to like make me look <laughs> terrible. But I was so nervous and I was like, and then when like, I was like, does anyone want to try it and actually expect anyone to get up? Mm -hmm. And then Damon was like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. And I was like, oh boy, like, <laughs> let's hope that this goes well. And then it also went well. And yeah, like, he caught the ball. I like, was it. like, oh my gosh, thank God. Like this could not have gone any better for me like at the start. So like we're off to like a good, a good start. And then by then I was like, kind of like feeling comfortable in the space. Like um you were like answering questions and you know the conversation then flowed pretty naturally yeah exactly i would imagine that initially you're real nervous then after you because you, you said you were in there for an hour after a little bit you probably settle into it a little bit but going in was there any particular shark that you wanted to get a deal with or were you just like let me get a deal of some sort yeah i think um going in i had like my eyes set on mark cuban just based on that sports, sports connection yeah. but hearing like during the pitch that he really had no connections in the lacrosse space didn't know the sport mm -hmm. my mind then was like okay then what is like the value out here because i'm like trying you know to find not just funding but also like i want connections to be able to get into like these retailers like dick sporting goods build the channels build my distribution um and build the product lineup but to get advice on that i needed someone knowledgeable on the sport and unfortunately like realizing throughout the pitch that like no one kind of really knew because it was yeah. such a fast growing sport very new um and not a lot of people in the space like yet which you know was a good and a bad thing as i like look back on it like i'm happy that i didn't force something that didn't need to happen um and i also am like looking back on it right now like still have 100 percent of my company and like glad that you know i own all of that yeah exactly which is another thing because when i was watching it other than i have to ask you about this first because there was the one i don't know if it was sort of a critique, and I think would I would probably say out of what they aired was aired was the only one from Kevin O'Leary where he said that it seemed like this was more of a hobby for you and not really something that you were that passionate about. Do you think that that was a, a fair criticism? I think like it was hard for it's there's like a common like phenomenon that people talk about in business where they're like a product isn't a business, mm -hmm. um, and I think that's kind of what he was getting at. Is that I had these two products, I had a goal and a rebounder. That's not a business. That's yeah. just you're selling two products. I think looking back on it, I'm like, yeah, like that's fair to say like, okay, right now you're just selling two products. Like, is this just a hobby? You're still in school. You're still doing lacrosse. Like what kind of commitment is this looking like? I think looking at it now, like, yeah, we have like over like 20 different products, like full fledged company doing great things. And so like, yeah, this is a business. This yeah. isn't just a <laughs> hobby, but like great for you to mention that early on. Like it gets you thinking about like, okay, what are the steps I need to take to like truly expand this into like an enterprise? Yeah. And it must've, again, there other than i would say other than that the kevin comment most of the sentiment was we just don't know enough about the business and so you had to have felt did you although you didn't get any they all said that they were out did you at least feel like okay maybe you're still on the right path because it wasn't like they were picking apart your business it was just that we don't know enough about this so we might not be able to add as much as you might want us to 
Yeah, no, like I literally had like Lori say like you're you're doing all the right steps, yeah. like keep doing what you're doing. And I mean to hear like comments like from people of like such high business caliber saying those things to you, like definitely motivated me. Like, okay, this isn't something that you just drop because mm -hmm. like, you didn't get that immediate validation. Like this is a long process, this is a journey. Um, and just because this one step didn't go your way doesn't mean that like 10 steps in the future um, wouldn't. And that was like super evident by like all of the amazing like PR and things that happened after the show. Which I'll ask you about, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I mean like that was like kind of the moment where I realized like this was a great opportunity for me and I didn't even realize it while mm -hmm. I was doing it. And so you said that you recorded, you were in it for over an hour, but only six minutes got shown. What else got, what got cut out? Me and like Robert talked about like the origin and history of lacrosse. Um, yeah, I mean, like there were some great conversations in there. I thought <laughs> them you singing know, you happy birthday. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it's fine. You know, <laughs> I'll remember. Like, I mean, like now it's been so many years that I'm just like, I guess I don't fully remember exactly everything that went on, but mm -hmm. um, it was yeah, it was interesting to see like what they kind of clipped and and took from that, but. It was, it was a good pitch overall. And as far as your actual pitch, um, for the whole time that you were there, whatever got aired and what didn't get aired, is there anything that you would have done differently in hindsight? I have, like, a tendency to, like, make faces. And so, they, like, they use, like, they would, like, crop to, like, me making, like, weird faces. <laughs> and it's just, like, I am, like, a very, like, visual, like, <clears throat> like I have visual reactions to mm -hmm. things. Like, I'm, like, super expressive. And so I'm, like, maybe I should have just, like, kept it, like, a little more chill and then they just... But, like, I know that they're just, like, looking for, like, content to, like, promote the show. And so, like, um, more power to them to, you know, find that. But I just, like, look back and I'm like, why did I make that <laughs> <laughs> And another another quick thing. So, in in that moment, obviously, as we know, the all of the judges or sharks, whatever, they all said that they were out. In that specific moment where the last shark says that they were out, what were the feelings that you were experiencing at that moment? Yeah, like, I mean, like, Damon had asked me a question. He was like, if I gave, like, if I didn't give you the funding right now, what would you do? Mm -hmm. And I knew that if I had answered that I would, like, walk away, that he would have offered me a deal. Mm -hmm. I think that, like, that was kind of the question he was getting at. Like, do you need this money right now or are you still going to, like, persevere and go through with this business? Mm -hmm. like, do you have the motivation to keep going? Um, and so when I answered it the way I did, being like, no, I'm going to, put my head down and I'm going to, I'm going to get through this and I'm going to continue to expand this business because I believe in it. And I truly believe it can become something great. Um, I knew that he was going to say he was out. Um, yeah. <laughs> and at that moment I was like, oh man, like now everyone's going to be like, oh, she totally got a deal on the show and it airs. And I'm just going to be like, no, no. yeah. <laughs> but in like the best way possible, it kind of gave me that fire to be like, all right, like you didn't get in on this when you could have, like, let me go prove to you like why you should have. Mm -hmm. And exactly. I don't, by no means was it a failure. I think that was probably the best case scenario that yeah. could have happened for you actually because again like you said still 100% equity in your company and the amount of exposure that you got from the show which I might as well just ask about right now so um, you film it an hour and a year not an hour later a year later the show airs what was the reaction to the business how did the show exactly help the business um, grow if it if, if at all yeah like a ton um i think someone had told me it equates to over nine million dollars in advertising wow um which i would believe but wow yeah based on their viewership which is crazy considering like when i first started this business we spent zero dollars on marketing yeah. and advertising and to go then from that to like being featured for free for like nine million dollars was exceptional um i had to crash test my website um, a bunch before we knew we were going to air because you knew a lot more traffic was coming your way. <laughs> I popped up on the screen and I like said my intro and I was like, I'm the CEO and founder of Gladiator Lacrosse. I immediately saw on the back end of our site the viewership just shoot up like a hockey stick. Wow. The analytics That's was crazy. Absurd. Like they were really crazy <laughs> to look at. Um, and we were just getting sales through the entire process. I'm like, people like, why? Like, is everyone just buying a rebounder? Like, yeah. right now? like while I'm going, like, you haven't even heard half the pitch yet. Um, really great opportunities. Um, I was able to secure a brand ambassador deal with Casey Powell, who's arguably like one of the greatest lacrosse players in the world. He was actually just inducted into the Lacrosse Hall of Fame. Um, was one of like my lacrosse idols like growing up. Mm -hmm. Like I'd watch him do like trick shots and be like, this is the most insane thing. And like try to like replicate them out in my backyard unsuccessfully. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I actually like met him at a lacrosse tournament after the show, just wanting him to like film a promo, being like, hey, like these products are great. Like, I would totally use this stuff. And then it turned into a whole conversation 
about creating an entire product lineup together. Wow. And so we were actually able to do that together. Um, working with him has been great. Filming content with him has been great. We actually filmed an ESPN commercial together. You have an ESPN. I did not stumble upon that one. <laughs> There's, um, yes, we were actually the, we got the opportunity also to be the official goal sponsor of the World Lacrosse Cup, which was held in Israel two years ago, um, with like over 60 countries competing. And so every game during that entire World Cup was played on a Gladiator lacrosse goal. Insane. And part of that was they gave us ESPN commercial time, and I had to film my first ESPN commercial, <laughs> um, which was interesting. Didn't think I'd be doing that, I think, at, like, 18 at the time. Um, we also were able to get connections to then sell our products in Dick's Sporting Goods and were launched in over 50 of their A-branded stores nationwide. Um, and so then going like weeks later to play in a lacrosse tournament in like Maryland and then walking into the Dick Sporting Goods because I forgot a mouth guard and seeing my products Your on, product the on the shelf was yeah. crazy. Um, just like a lot of really positive PR, great opportunities. Um, I think looking back on it, I was like super nervous about it. Um, initially being on the show, um, everything that happened since then has been nothing but positive. And so I think that that experience was truly like beneficial. And was that at, was it at that point that you, how, how big is the team currently? Currently we have 12 employees. Okay. And did the most, the, did the majority of that hiring come after you appeared on the show because you needed that extra help? Yeah. So like, I mean, as like I started the business, like I said, I was wearing a lot of hats and basically when things got to a point where it's like, okay, this can become a full time role. Like, mm -hmm. Before I was like, okay, I can do marketing and sales and I can do order fulfillment. But then like, you know, now you go from getting five orders a day to getting 70 orders a day to like a hundred orders a day. Like that's not something I can fully do on top of all the other tasks that yeah. I need to be managing. So like, okay, it's taking this hat, passing it to someone else being like, here's a full-time position for you doing just that. And that's kind of how I've like viewed the hiring process is like, can I legitimize like a full role for this task or this series of tasks? And if I can, it's like worth the return. Like that's when you need to bring on a team member to like excel at that. And yeah. like my skill set is like varied on a lot of different things. And if I can find someone who's truly exceptional at one particular thing or a group of things, like they fit in that role better than I probably do. Again, sounds like, not like we're on the same level at all. You're a lot more successful no. in business. But with the podcast, that's exactly why we have David sitting behind the camera. I knew that I wanted to expand into the YouTube into YouTube, into TikTok, into the video production. I have zero skill with that. And so when there's someone who is very, very good at what they do, it then it makes sense to bring bring someone on. So yeah, kind of existing in roles for as long as it makes sense. And then at a certain point you're like, Okay, let me then start to start to expand the, the team a little bit. Absolutely. So yeah, definitely makes sense. And so after so again, you just said partnership with Dick Sporting Goods, and then most recently, or as far as I could see, a partnership with Amazon. How did that come about? Yeah, I mean, we have, like, Amazon has been, like, something that we've relied on very early on with our business. Um, it was mostly because, like, being a full high school student, like, while I was running this company, like, I couldn't fulfill orders all the time. Yeah, that's the point we've just been glossing over this whole time. <laughs> Amidst everything that you're doing, you are still a student. <laughs> yeah, no, in high school, it's definitely a lot easier in college with, like, a less, like, you know, structured schedule where you, like, kind of allocate your time as you see fit. Whereas in high school, you have, like, that 8 a.m. to, like, 4 p.m. rigid time you're in class. Um, that made it a little hard to, like, take a customer call unless it was happening during, like, my free period or after class or before practice. Um I think that, so, like, I relied on Amazon. I looked a lot into, like, FBA, like, Amazon Fulfillment. Like, that's your prime. And so getting a 50-pound rebounder delivered to your doorstep in two days was, like, virtually unheard of. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, how can we, like, work with Amazon to do this? And so we, like, looked at a lot of different avenues, and they have a lot of different channels that you can kind of work with Amazon on, like, on their analytics, on their vendor central, on their FBA prime shipments. So we would just basically get our inventory into the warehouse, and then I would ship pallets of inventory to different distribution centers for Amazon. And they would handle everything from the customer order to the fulfillment to the customer service required with any of that returns, like exchanges, et cetera, like delivery changes. Like anything that was handled through Prime was completely done on their end. And then they would, you know, take a percentage of that. But at the time, that trade off was completely worth it. As we've grown the company, like, We've worked with them on a lot of different things. Like they open up like other small business channels and things. <laughs> there goes the pen. There goes the pen. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I know. They've, like, opened up tons of other channels. They, like, reached out. They're like, listen, like, you're a huge part of, like, our small business community that's, like, utilized a lot of our different resources. Like, we want to feature you, like, in our Amazon, like, small business commercial. So we were in a commercial with Amazon. We were part of their, like, summit with, like, small business. And, like, we filmed, like, promotional stuff with them there and, like, contributing content to, like, how we as a small business have been able to use Amazon to, like, leverage our growth competing against, like, a lot of these other big established retailers. Um been like a great partnership with them as well and so they actually reached out to you not the other way around yeah they actually reached out to us insanity <laughs> insanity i like always wonder i'm like darn like if i start reaching out to people like imagine like what can happen yeah. like when everything like luckily for us has kind of like fallen into our laps yeah. um imagine like on the flip side if i'm out there like really pursuing opportunities and like we've done that like a little more now lately um but like the kind of response that we would get and so uh, this, the company has been tremendously successful since Shark Tank. Do you have any relationship with any of the sharks or have any of them reached out to, I don't know, like, congratulate you, just say, like, good job with what you've been doing or not so much? Not really. I know, like, after the show, a bunch of them, like, tweeted, like, you're amazing. Like, mm -hmm. keep doing what you're doing. Even though I would take that. I'll just screenshot that, put it on my wall. No, we, like, <laughs> pinned it to the top of our Twitter page. Like, I think, like, Barbara, like, she wasn't on the show, but mm -hmm. she was like, had I been on, I would have given this girl a deal. And, mm -hmm. like, Robert was like, she's going to be, like, a future shark one day. And I was like, that would be really cool. Okay. Like, <laughs> um, and so, I, I just, again, you obviously senior year in college, and you started this when you were in high school. Do you, post Princeton, I know you already have a job, how much involvement are you going to be able to have with the company with everything that's on your plate? Although you have a, you've had a lot on your plate these last amount of years and you've still been able to make it work. But looking into the future, how much involvement do you think you'll be able to have? Yeah, I mean, like now some of the biggest things that I spend my time doing are like a strategic and visionary role. Like mm -hmm. I am deciding like where the trajectory of this company goes. I'm like leading acquisitions that allow us to get to the places we want to go. Kind of like the vision that I have for this company going forward is like the story of Under Armour, which I'm not sure if you're like super familiar with. They I started, am not. So they started out as like that undergarment you wore in football, mm -hmm. just building that product. They were like a one product business. Then they kind of expanded into all things football. Like, let me create a whole lineup of football products. And then eventually other sports and eventually a lifestyle brand. I'm like, why can't we do the same? Yeah. We started out in lacrosse, a niche in the space, like developing something that was a, surrounding a problem. I'm sure that exists other areas like i think i have friends that have been complaining in like industries related to like baseball or softball um and seeing what we could do there the most um recent acquisition we did was a company like called all ball pro we acquired them um they create this commercial rebounder and it can be used for all sports so i kind of view that as a stepping stone into like our expansion into other sports and like what we can do there um so like kind of seeing like okay what channels can we expand to what products can we expand to um i think i'll need to hire a full-time like president or ceo and maybe step back from the ceo role um after graduating because i don't know if that's something that i can keep up full-time yeah. i know that in like my 10 50 year plan like i'm an entrepreneur at heart like that's what i want to do um full-time and so like whatever i do now like i'm really excited about a career in finance like understanding like okay being a founder like what's it like to now work with founders like and having been a founder like that, i think that gives me a very unique viewpoint to understand the different things that like they value in their business but now getting the flip side like okay how do investors and how do bankers like view my business from like a financial standpoint so i think it's like a very symbiotic like relationship between the two yeah and i was just about to say you must be getting so much from because you are going into investment banking and i can only imagine how much you're able to gain from that that first-hand experience and then take back and apply to your own company just to help it grow that much more but you just said you're an entrepreneur at heart so does that mean that you eventually see yourself and you just laid out this grand vision for gladiator gladiator lacrosse does that mean that you see yourself um, starting other companies in the future, getting involved with other startups? What What are your What are your thoughts on that? And honestly, any of those paths, like I'm always like, yeah, like this is my baby, like this company I've grown from like the ground up. But like at the same time, like if you're realistic, like everything has a price, like <laughs> high enough price, and like you would sell something. Um, but at the same time, like if I come across an idea that I'm also super passionate about in like some other field, um, just based on some life experience that I may have had. I'm totally open to starting something new, working with other people, jumping on board something 
that someone's like, hey, I have this idea, like I want to bring you on board, like totally open to any of those opportunities. I think that like I'm happiest when I'm doing um, something innovative and I'm creating something and I'm working with people like to really like follow a vision and um, generate change. And so I think that that's the path that I see for myself. Yeah. And so, again, as I keep harping on this, because it's very, very impressive that you are still a college student doing all this. But then on top of that, you're also a female CEO. Have you faced any sort of challenges due to the fact that you're a young female CEO? Yeah, no, there's definitely been like some weird, weird encounters. I think like on the on the young aspect, like there are a lot of these like business events. I get like nominated for like awards and things like that. And one of the times I like arrived at it, I was like 15 at the time. They like handed me like two drink tickets and like for the bar. And I like went up and I'm like, can I get a Sprite? <laughs> <laughs> like everyone's like out here like getting wine or cocktails. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'll have like a Sprite and go sit Orange down juice, please. Have yeah. a table and like wait with all the other adults, like. One of the first awards that um, I was nominated for was like this like 30 under 30 award for like South Florida business. Um, and I lost to a um, 29 year old UPenn grad. <laughs> and I was like, I was like upset. Um, and then my dad was like, okay, you still have like 15 more years that you can like apply to this. And yeah. he's like, done. <laughs> you also haven't gone to college yet. So like, you know, like you'll have your chance. Yeah. <laughs> and you did, which we'll talk about in a second. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think like the only other thing is I remember like when I went to that first initial meeting with Dick Sporting Goods, like they flew us out to Pittsburgh to their headquarters, which was really cool because they were like doing the Olympic stuff at the time. Um, and I walked into the boardroom and it's like a bunch of middle-aged white men and me and my dad walked in because my dad legally had to still sign documents <laughs> because I was under the age of 18 at the time. And they walked in and they immediately started greeting him. And I was like, you guys should have done your research. Like when you Google this company and realize it's not him, it's me. It's here. Yeah. And he like looked at them and he was like, well, you don't need to be shaking my hand. Like yeah. you need to be shaking her hand. Like this is the girl you're trying to secure a deal with. Yeah. Um, and so like, he's been like one of my biggest like champions through like all this stuff. Um, and I've like definitely felt super empowered um, it's made me like very confident, outspoken to like be not only in like a male dominated industry because the sports industry is very male dominated, especially like in the business community, just business in general and entrepreneurship is very male dominated. And so I think that it's definitely created like a tough exterior for me to like work with that community, kind of like take some of these like hard jokes and like these very like firm attitudes. And I think that I've just kind of like developed that type of personality myself um, for better or for worse. Um, that's just like who I am now and I love it. But, um, I think that, you know, not like crazy bad experiences, just like funny anecdotal things here or there. Yeah. And I imagine that being, being, um, like slept on for lack of a better words, like people not really expecting much out of you that probably lights a even that much more of a fire in you where it's like, okay, you don't expect that I'm the one who's doing this. Just totally. wait till you see what deal we come up with. Wait till you see where I'm able to take this business. So honestly, even things like, like I personally love when people underestimate what I can do because then when I do whatever else, I'm like, I will show you what exactly it is that you didn't think I could do. And then who's going to have the last laugh at the end of the day. So at the end of the day, it all contributes to you being who you are and being as successful as you are. So it that, that is what it is. And then so um, kind of like you just said you didn't get this South Florida 30 under 30 award because you lost to a 29 year old Penn graduate. And then fast forward to, I'm not sure yet what year this was, but you get selected for Forbes 30 under 30, which again, I slight step up from the, from the South Florida 30, a little bit. just, just a little bit. Um, how did you find out that you were getting that award? Yeah. So like the nomination process comes from old recipients of the award. Mm -hmm. Um, they like get to nominate people plus like any research that like writers for Forable do. And so I had gotten an email saying like I had been nominated. Um, didn't mean I was going to actually make the list, mm -hmm. but I had to fill out an entire application and do a series of interviews. Um, I was super excited about it. At first I was like, oh my God, like, is this real? Like I've like heard of this list. Like these are people like, I don't know, like Kylie Jenner and like people that like founded these like huge companies or big celebrities like get nominated for these things. Um, and I like, could not imagine that I would be on a list like that. Um, alone at 19 um because this was yeah this was in 2020 um and so i went through the whole process like did all of like um the application stuff did interviews um and then like they were like if 
you're on the list, you'll find out when the list comes out. Oh, I kind of like that. It's like you find out with everybody else. Yeah. Interesting. But like about a week <laughs> before the list came out, uh, one of the writers like reached out to me and was like, hey, can you fact check a couple things? And I was like, oh. Well, yeah. Oh. Like, what do you, you want to <laughs> yeah. fact check something? But then I remember like my, um, it was like coming out on like December 3rd. I didn't know what time, but like I knew that's when the list was coming out. And like I was asleep and my roommate was awake and saw that I had made the list and literally like, took a picture of me sleeping and being and was like, this girl literally doesn't even know. And she's on Forbes 30 and 30 and she's like passed out right now in her dorm bed. And then like I woke up and everyone was like, you were like on the list. And like my parents, like I woke up like missed calls because like I was sleeping. Yeah, you were asleep. Yeah. I had like had a huge like homework piece set to finish up the night before. So like I was Because again, a student amongst all of this, um, a student. <laughs> scholar. <laughs> um... I was super thrilled um, to see that I had made the list. It was huge. There was like, I actually attended a TI formal that night. <laughs> nice. And like, there was like a lot of celebrating done that night because um, I just like couldn't imagine it. It was like super exciting. And I um, I think that was like one of the biggest accomplishments that I'm like super proud to be a part of. Oh, yeah. I would I would, I would hope so. Yeah, that, <laughs> that is a, an insane accomplishment for the rest of your life because kind of like you just said, the other names who get mentioned in that list are some of the biggest celebrities, big athletes, big entertainers. So, yes, I would hope you, you, <laughs> you were thrilled to make Forbes 30 under 30. And so what advice would you give to, I guess, any young girl, just anyone, any young person in general who might want to start their own business, is facing initial hurdles, because I imagine that there must have been a lot of setbacks along the way. Just what general advice would you give to anyone who sees you as this inspiration, which you are, and want to follow in your <laughs> footsteps? What advice would you give to them? I think the most important thing is like, it's being passionate about what you do. I think like at a super young age, like you're focused on a lot of different things. Like you try things out, you don't like it, you quit. Like you, you move on to something else. What made me stick with this is the passion I had for the sport of lacrosse, for bettering the lacrosse community and like seeing the impact that you make. I think like when you're working on something, but you don't fully see the outcome or the impact and like the contribution that you actually make, it's like hard to get behind something like yeah. that um, if you're not like on the front line seeing the changes. And so I think whether it be in business or be in like any other type of industry that you want to pursue. And podcasting. And podcasting. <laughs> like, yeah, you're, in you're interested in like arts and media. You're interested in like medical research or something like if you're passionate about it, it doesn't become work, which is like so cliche to say, but no, it's true. It's like the challenges I viewed almost as like puzzles. I'm like, okay, how am I going to solve this one? Like, and how are we going to move forward? And when you did it, like you felt super satisfied and accomplished. It wasn't like, Oh my God, I have to like figure out how I'm going to solve this. And like, I don't really want to work on this. Um, so for me, it was like, okay, I'm not viewing this as work. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. Like I'm finishing up school or I'm finishing up practice and I'm going to work on something that like, I really enjoy spending my time on. And it's like evident in like the output that is produced from that. Yeah. Yeah. And great advice. And you are incredibly correct. When you love doing something, it doesn't feel like work. People always ask me like, podcast must be so much work. <laughs> First of all, it isn't. And even if it was, I enjoy doing it so much that I, I could do an, an episode a day if I had the guests come on and it would not feel like work at all. In fact, this is, if I was, I was just talking about this jokingly, it, literally at brunch like two hours ago, I was like, I wish there was a way for me to spin this into some sort of like senior thesis, although I don't think it makes sense because I'm a neuroscience major. Because I saw mm. like at Harvard a few years ago, some dude like made an like a music album and that counted as his thesis. So oh, I'm like, so hey, you know why not? Just let me put my podcast together. Just this is my thesis. But yeah, I love it. It's fun to do. Do shit you're passionate about, and then just you know keep going from there. But yeah, Absolutely. we have done 53 minutes because, again, it always flies by. And so we can transition to the music segment, which still needs a name. If you have a name for this like music, <laughs> music identity segment, we've been trying to find a name for the segment forever. Still don't have one. But as always, I ask my guests to come with five songs that describe who they are as a person. Everyone takes it in their own unique direction. And so, Rachel, it is your turn. Okay. Um, I was like thinking about this. I like I feel like I captured a lot of different aspects of my personality. Um, some more literally, some not. I like to consider myself a super like driven person. Okay. So like I also like listen to a lot of old school music. So like the, a couple of these song choices are a little old, but like I like It's My Life by Bon Jovi. Great I went to a song. Bon Jovi concert and I'm just like he's just kinda like, I don't give any fucks, like I'm gonna do what I want, I'm gonna pursue what I want. Like I feel like I've taken that a lot of things I've done. Um, and I just really like jamming out to that song. Great like, song. Probably the youngest person in the audience at that concert, <laughs> but like totally there for it. <laughs> My parents had gone to a Bon Jovi concert when like they were little, and I was just like, wow, the fact that we saw the same artist in yeah. concert's a little crazy. 
Um, on that same line, I like, like, whatever it takes by Imagine Dragons. You know, whatever. That passion, that drive, like, um, I like... <laughs> I love Dancing Queen by ABBA. <laughs> I just love that song. It is a great song. It is indeed. And I'm, I'm such a happy person. I, You're a dancing queen. <laughs> I'm a dancing queen. Young and sweet. Not 17. <laughs> not 17 anymore, yeah. <laughs> but when I was 17, I would sing that song to like my heart. Everyone, yeah. All the time. I was like, I am 17. I am the dancing queen. Um, I like the song Brown Eyed Girl. My parents like used to like play that. That's Who's that by again? Oh my god. That's a very no, because I also wait, let me just do a quick, quick little Google. Brown eyed girl. Van Morrison. Yeah. That's yes. a great song. It is a great song. I am indeed also a brown eyed Brown eyed girl. girl. <laughs> See, I'm taking this very like I'm a very practical person. Yeah. Yep. Um <laughs> and then I think like so my favorite band of all time is Aerosmith. Okay. Um and I like this song Dream On by Aerosmith. Great song. Um and I think that that is he like got this one line where he's like, "Dream until like the dreams come true," um, and I'm like, "Yeah, like just like it's almost like fake it till you make it. Like keep dreaming and having these hopes for yourself until like you make it a reality." Yep. Um, and I like really, really like the lyrics in a lot of Aerosmith songs, and so I think I had to throw one of those in there. All great songs. I knew every one of them except the Imagine Dragon song, which but I will be checking that after. Um, but okay, again, love that everyone does it their <laughs> own unique way, but every single time you learn a little bit. About little bit about the person and you get to find some more new songs and so now on to our final final segment the tiger confession segment so read the confessions some are questions some aren't and then just guess reacts first and then i react first one says sophomore here i have pretty average grades and was not able to make it into some really competitive clubs do i stand a chance at making it in the finance world this may read like bait but it's actually a genuine question <laughs> what happens to those who end up with b pluses and b's at this place <laughs> i mean like as someone who has gotten b pluses and b's at this place i mean like i think like you go from like a place like where you're like most people like coming to princeton like did really well in high school um that's just like generally how yeah. that sentiment is and you come here and you realize like i think i've met a, everyone here is like smarter than me in some aspect um or in something and i just like every time i meet someone i'm like i learn something exceptional about them and it's like not about like realizing that like oh my god i'm like the worst person like i am like how did like they like admissions let me slip through the cracks <laughs> and like get me in here but I think, like, in the finance world, it's, like, super competitive, but it's, like, not about being in the club itself. I think it's about, like, your own individual effort, like we were talking about earlier, like, networking. That you can do as a Princeton student. It doesn't need to be being in a finance club and having that label that gets you there. It's about, like, reaching out to Princeton alumni, which I had done when I was, like, searching for internships. Same here. Um, <clears throat> and putting in the effort. Um, if you're willing to do that, then I think it doesn't matter. Like, the grades, I think people at the end of the day are looking for people they want to work with. Um, and that are willing to really like commit and show effort um, to really put it in when they get there. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Because I got lower because I started pre-med engineer, and so got even lower than B pluses <laughs> and Bs when I during freshman year, especially. And so my grades weren't necessarily as good as I would have wanted them to be. But when I knew that I wanted a certain internship, I networked, network, 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 got in contact with the right people, and they stressed some of the things that you were just saying, where it's like. Yes, there is a minimum GPA requirement in most of these jobs, but mine was actually lower than what uh, what it was stated when I got the internship that I got because the things that they care about are you being a real person who they can speak with or they can hang around with for 12 plus hour work days because in the finance world, the work hours or the work days are Absolutely. very long. Being able to hold a conversation with you just makes sure you're not a weirdo and Another thing that I love that you said is every single person brings something to the table and you need to realize that just because your grades might not be what they are, it doesn't mean that you're less worthy in whatever way. Because I was someone who freshman year especially, imposter syndrome was so real that I didn't belong to be here. Same thing you were saying, like how did the admissions officers let me in? But at the end of the day, I then realized I bring a lot to the table myself. All of us do. You got to figure out what your strengths are and really play into those. And then at the end of the day, you'll see that you, 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 can be able to achieve whatever it is that you want, even if your grades aren't what 
aren't where you would want them to be. And B's and B pluses and B's are good grades. So like relax. <laughs> That's yeah, no. I like got a B on a paper I wrote about my business, and I'm like, you know what? Like, <laughs> this business is doing okay. I'm Thank like, you. We're doing pretty fine right yeah. now. So like, you didn't like my writing style. That's yeah. fine. Like I'll take the L there. But like I, the viability yeah. is there. <laughs> yeah. So grades all that don't matter as much as we think they do just keep grinding networking you bring a lot to the table um and then the second question says anyone else bored out of their mind like there is either days when you have to study the entire entire day and days when you have absolutely nothing to do yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) i i am taking two classes a semester I'm taking two seminars, one on Thursday, oh, so one on Friday. Two classes the whole week. So I have a five-day weekend. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, and it's such a struggle to decide whether I spend it in stone writing my thesis, which is what I'm trying to do today. <laughs> but when the weather is 70 this degrees nice, outside, it's hard. It's so sad to sit inside and try to do your work. And then there's other days that I just spend like on the lawn of TI, just like either tanning or playing die, listening to music. Um, I think it's about finding the balance understanding when i need to do my work yeah hopefully get it done and then also realize i'm a senior i'm trying to have fun make these like memories and like really make this princeton experience count yeah exactly but yeah short answer is also same yes (laughs) bored out of my mind a lot and also have a thesis that is not as far along as it should be and then daylight i was just saying this yesterday i wish daylight savings was after my thesis deadline so i could it just yeah. it could be cold and dark and i could just grind on it the whole time but when the weather is as nice it is as it is on this saturday afternoon it just makes me want to spend all day outside but i will be disciplined today i'm not even gonna go out tonight i'm gonna be working the rest of the day just to make sure i could get stuff done but yeah you gotta find the right balance especially when you are in a time like senior spring mm-hmm. where you have a job lined up already and so you don't necessarily have as much to stress about and getting all the work done that needs to be done because i'm only in three classes um th- have class three four days a week so three day a week and every weekend but even that it's it's hard to get myself up and going for these classes and do these little assignments but it is what we're almost there we're almost there, we're almost there. um but with that we have done an hour and one minute rachel thank you so much for coming on the show do you have any final words for the people no, thanks so much for having me. It was awesome. Thank you. And I would just like to note, with all the media you've th- all the media that you've done, you said this is your first podcast. This, this is my first podcast. I will take that. Get a w. first there. <laughs> yes, this is a W for Go with the Flow. But yeah, this again, another great episode. Um, and yeah, thank you for listening.